This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. Some of you saw that uh, video at our congregational meeting on the 27th, and many of you didn't get a chance to see that. But boy, if there's a message I could send home with you today, it would be that taken from God's Word. And that is that we would all take the next step in that journey of significance with God. Because if there's anything that God would want for you in this life, it's that you would live with great purpose and great significance. I want you to take uh, from the inside of your program, if you would, I want you to take the notes for the morning. They're on a half sheet of paper. They're fill-in-the-blank style for those of you who are new. And if you pull those out and look at the title, we're in the middle of a series of sermons called Promise, and this particular message is called A Sense of Purpose. And you'll see underneath it, it says that the, having a sense of purpose is the cure for what? You can say it out loud. It's the cure for what? It doesn't say. Okay, and that's why you're silent. All right, here you go. You can write it in. It's the cure for insignificance. The cure for insignificance. While you're writing that, I want to give a special greeting to those of you who are here for the first time. We are a family of faith, and you are our guests this morning. And we are delighted that you have come to church with us. And um, when we gather for church, there are three things Three principal reasons why we gather here. The first is, we're a family of faith and we like to be together. So when we had time to meet and greet each other, we have a great time with that. You'll find we hang out after church. We enjoy that as well. And uh, we want to invite you along in that process. That this will feel somewhat like a family for you, even if you can only be here this morning. Uh, we want you to make yourself at home. I will tell you that... Um, we're not going to put you on the spot. We don't have any pre-rehearsed rituals, so you don't have to worry about standing up at the right time or sitting down at the right time or any of those things. If there's something we invite you to do, we'll invite you to do that uh, as we invite ourselves to do those things. So relax and make yourself at home. Secondly, we gather together because we want to sing and bless God. Sing to and bless God because He's the one who's given us life and He's the one who is giving us fullness of life. And He's the one who's teaching us how to live in such a way that we can live lives of real significance. And I love the challenge that Kevin gave us this morning about this God who is our friend, but at the same time so vast and so great, He's incomprehensible. And if you would with me for a minute, just think about the two different uses of the word great. God is great in the sense that God is completely good, but God is great in the sense that it's impossible to comprehend the greatness, the vastness of God. And so a little bit later, we're going to sing the song, How Great um, um, Thou Art. And in that song, combined with How Great Is Our God, I want you to think of both of those concepts. How good is our God that He would love us and care for us and genuinely want to be our friend, but how great is our God in terms of how limitless and, and how almighty and powerful 
He is, because both are wrapped up in that. And you saw it in the video at the very beginning, way back out where the earth was just a tiny little thing. God's viewpoint, and yet it zeroed in, zeroed in, zeroed in. And where did it finish? On that tiny little flower. And quoted what Jesus said. If God cares so much, even for the tiniest flower in the field, boy, there's nothing that goes on in our lives that He doesn't know. So we gather together to sing to God and to bless Him. And because we want Him to know how grateful we are for the life He has given us. And then thirdly, we gather together so that we can be instructed out of God's Word how to live. And this is the portion of our service where we're instructed together out of His Word how to live so that we can experience that fullness of life. And so I want to invite you into that process. As I was praying about this message and reading through God's Word in in advance and in preparation, I was drawn back to some things that my parents said to me. And I'm guessing that somewhere back there all parents come out of the same hopper, all right? Because see if you can't relate to some of these. I, I made a top ten list of things that my parents said to me that I often reflect on. And the first one I know came from my dad. Here's number ten. The world is filled with willing people. Some willing to work and the rest willing to let them. That's proved to be true. Number nine. Son, learn from other people's mistakes. You can't afford to make them all yourself. Number eight. If you keep making that silly face, you know what the rest of it is, right? It's going to stick like that, right? Yes, yes. Number seven. When all is said and done, usually there's a lot more said than done. Yes. Number six. If you tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. Yeah, there's some meat in that one, isn't there? Number five. I know your parents said this to you. If you can't say something nice about somebody... Don't say anything at all. There you go, yes. Number four, choose your words carefully. You may have to eat them, yes. Number three, what you do speaks so loudly, I cannot hear what you say. That might take a little while to sink in, but there's a lot of meat in that one. Number two, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing... Yes, yes, yes. And by the way, that's all good stuff. Number one is the one that that I want to share with you this morning because it sort of lays the backdrop for the rest of this message. And here it is. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ. Anybody know the rest of it? Will last. I want to say that again. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So that's kind of the shortcut to the bottom line of the sermon. Because if you want what you do in this life to last, what does it need to be? It's got to be done for Christ, because that's the only stuff that lasts. So let's jump into this particular message. I want to give you some backdrop principles, okay? And backdrop principle number one is this, okay? That is, design requires a designer, I know that there are some people, 
It's a minority of people, but I know there are some people who believe that life is just the result of an accidental cosmic explosion out there and that somehow we have developed into who we are and there's no sense or purpose to it. And if you're going to have any purpose in this life, you have to invent your own purpose and you have to bring purpose to this meaningless existence that you have as a result of this explosion in space. But the truth is, most of us look around and see the complex design of our world and of everything in our world, and we find it impossible to believe that anything that intricate and and anything that balanced and anything uh, that's that detailed could be the result of a random explosion somewhere in space. To say nothing of all the other assumptions that come with that. But when we look at life, when you stop and think that we have some several thousand years of recorded human history that we can refer back to, and when you consider that the best and brightest minds of our world have have studied the world and the creatures of the world and this universe and studied them for thousands of years, and when you realize that the design of this world exceeds in intelligence all the collective pool of human information from the best and brightest minds of thousands of years, we look at that and we say, that could not have accidentally happened. We went this last week down to the Exploratorium, which is a great place to take kids. It's actually a great place to take us big kids as well, right? And we looked at all sorts of of interesting designs and patterns and, and applications of the laws of physics and chemistry and all those sorts of things. And you know, I never looked at any one of those machines and said, by golly, I wonder what explosion caused that. It was a simple machine, but I knew somebody had to design it because... When you see a design that has intelligence and purpose, you know that somebody had to be smarter than the machine to make it. Isn't that how it normally works? Friends, that's how it always works. So that's backdrop principle number one. This life that you and I live, this human body that we are in, the human soul and the human spirit has such beauty and intricacy and capacity and design, it simply could not have happened. It, it points to a designer somewhere out there who's bigger and better and greater and more wonderful than we are. Number two is this. Design implies a purpose. I take some woodworking magazines, actually I only take one, and every once in a while they run an article and they will show a picture from three different views of an old tool that they don't know what its purpose is. And they'll put a picture in there and it's a, it's a message to the readers. If you have any idea what this tool was ever designed or used for, would you send it in? And it's very interesting to read what, what they have discovered and what they've found out. But you know what the basic assumption is? If it's a tool and it was designed, it has what? Hello. 
Because in the real world, we all know that design implies what? A purpose. Yeah. And a design necessitates or requires a designer. So the same is true in all of life. And so that means as you look at your life, it means not only is there a designer, a master architect who brought you into being, but it means he brought you into being for a reason, for a purpose. And you put both of those together with backdrop principle number three, and that is purpose resonates with our human spirit. Intuitively, instinctively, we all know that there has to be a reason for life. We all have this in inner search for significance and purpose. Every one of us longs to know that when I die, my life actually made a difference. And not just a tiny difference, not just a temporary difference. I want to know that my life, you want to know that your life actually made a lasting difference. Now, it's no great surprise that God addresses all of that in His Word. Because He's the one who made us, and the Bible is our owner's manual for life, and anything that's important in life, God is going to address in His Word. And so He does address the concept of purpose and the concept of significance, and He addresses them often. This morning, I'm going to point us to three promises which indicate three purposes why God made us collectively as a human race, but also individually. And it's my prayer that you will latch on to all three of these because it's in living out these three that you and I can experience fullness of life, purpose in life, and in the end, significance. So let's take a look at the very first one. Promise number one or purpose number one is this. God says, you are the managers of my creation. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Let's read together. Ready? You are the managers of my creation. Now, what follows next are the very first words of instruction that God gave to the human race. And so I want to read them to, to us because this is, this is what God said to us. Number one, God said, let us make human beings in our image, to be like ourselves. They will reign. I want you to circle or underline the word reign. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. In the, in the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and... What's the next word? Govern. I want you to circle or underline the word govern. And govern it. And then the next word is reign. I want you to circle that word again. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. It's very clear as we read God's original instructions to man. And there's nothing in God's Word that has said that that ever should change. That was God's original purpose for us. That we would be managers of His creation. That's His design. Now, that presents a real challenge to our present culture. 
And I know it's popular to be green and do some other things, which, by the way, I think is great. In fact, I'll talk about that in just a minute. I think it's not only great, I think it fits into part of God's purpose for our life. But I can tell you that our current culture, in spite of its preoccupation with the idea of being green, it's not all that thrilled with the idea of managing. In fact, we often confuse the concept of success with the concept of significance. And we think, in order to be significant, I need to be a success. And the way I become a success is I have to succeed according to the values of this world. I came across a statement this week that I want to read to you. It's written by a life coach. When we define a person's success, we're usually talking about things they have achieved, possessions they have obtained, or something they have become. Success is often calculated by tallying those gains which a person didn't have in the first place with what he has today. Now, in contrast, a life of significance requires nothing external. We can be significant with or without material landmarks. Now, catch this one. A life of significance is far more concerned with what we give to others than what we gather for ourselves. I want to read that again. A life of significance is far more concerned with what we give to others than what we gather for ourselves. Now, do you understand why that's a huge challenge to our culture? Because our culture is oftentimes far more concerned with what I accomplish, not in terms of what I give, but what I accomplish, what, what educational uh, level I accomplish, where I rise to in, in my workplace, how far up the corporate ladder I get, what kind of portfolio I have, what kind of car I drive, what kind of house I live in. You know, who all knows me, who doesn't know me, all those sorts of things that we usually tend, even whether consciously or subconsciously, we tend to evaluate life that way. And, and Jeffrey Brownstein, who wrote that, is pointing us in a different direction. It's actually the direction of God's Word. And that is, God says, I want you to be the managers of my creation. Now, I wrote some thought questions, and I want you just to listen to them and to let them sink in. When I look at my life and I look back at the footprints that I'm leaving, what sort of trail do I see back there? Am I more concerned with giving than with taking, receiving, or accomplishing? Am I basically a contributor or a consumer? Do you think about that with regard to the resources that God has given you, given me? Am I more of a consumer of those resources or am I a contributor with them? Am I a builder who blesses everyone in my world or am I just another person trying to get the most fun out of life for myself? And here's the most thought-provoking one. Am I really living like a manager 
or simply as a grown-up child? Hmm. The promise applied, the principle applied goes like this. Significance. If you really want to be significant, significance comes from living like a what? A manager, a real manager, and not like a child who says, what's in it for me? What can I get? Where, how, how much of this can I have? But really managing God's creation and everything he flows into our lives. By the way, if we live like a manager, it will make us a good person, correct? Will it make us a moral person? It should. Will it make us an ethical person? Yes, it should. This is the basic starting point in life. God calls us to manage. I get married, I need to manage my marriage. God blesses me with children, I need to manage my children. That means train and grow and develop them, not just correct them and put them in their place or throw some food at them. I need to manage that. If God gives me a job, I need to manage that job. Yeah, if we would take that seriously, it would make us good people. And I want to challenge us to do that and to flow against the flow of our culture, to swim against the flow of our culture, and to, and to see ourselves as managers. Promise number two is this. You are my fruit bearers. I know that's not a, used, a word that we use very often. We kind of use ring bearer very often though, right? We understand what that means. You are my fruit bearers bearers. Here's what Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce what? Much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Now skipping ahead a few verses, Jesus ends this whole section by saying this, I appointed you to go and produce what? Lasting fruit. Wow. That's the concept of only what's done for Christ will last. Whatever I, whatever I amass or accumulate, it, it will be gone. It doesn't last. But what I do for Christ, now that lasts. Now I've read that verse, I would know how many times. Many, 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 many times. But as I was reading it in preparation for this particular message, God enabled me to see something in that verse that I had never seen before. You know what I realized? Those of you who, who grow grapes and pick grapes, do you pick grapes off of the branches or directly off the vine itself? It's off the branches, right? Because only the branches bear fruit. Now the branches get their life and their ability to bear fruit from where? From the vine. But Jesus very clearly says, who's the vine? He is. And who's the branches? We are. And you know what that means? That means that in your world and my world, Jesus is not going to go out and bear fruit by himself. If you have a grapevine and it has no branches, are you going to pick any grapes? Nope. Not going to happen. And there's a very clear message in there to you and to me. That one of the great purposes of our lives is that we would get locked into the vine, draw our nourishment and strength and ability from the vine, and that in that relationship that Christ would enable us to produce great fruit in life. 
lasting fruit. In fact, he says, I have appointed you or created you or made you or set you aside for this reason that you would bear or produce lasting fruit. Now, you know what that means in your life and mine? If you want to experience fullness of life, if you want to experience a life that goes way on beyond anything that, you know, if you live 70 years where your life goes way on beyond that, then you have to be, you have to be doing the things that Christ calls you to do because it's His work that lasts for forever. I was visiting with a couple from our church this morning and they were recounting to me that they had grown up down in downtown San Francisco. And they were talking about the changes. And they were talking about the church they, that they went to as kids. And they were talking about the pastor that they grew up under. And as they were talking, I was thinking, you know, that pastor is probably because these people were, well, older than me. How's that? All right? So I'm thinking, I I'm not even sure that pastor is still living. Right? But I can tell you what. The work that he did is still living. It's still lasting. And you know what? That couple right now, while we're here, they're in that part of the building, and they're teaching your kids, my kids, my grandkids, your grandkids, and guess what? The work that that pastor did in their lives 50, 60 years ago is going to live on in your grandkids and your kids' lives and when they grow up and they serve and follow Christ and they sit in a classroom somewhere and they're teaching little kids, guess what? There's a piece of that pastor that probably no one in this audience has ever met that's living on. Yeah, his life is still producing fruit. You think they had any Sunday school teachers in that church? I'll bet they did. There's Sunday school teachers that you and I will never meet. But what's going on in this church today is at least partially because of something that those Sunday school teachers did way back in who knows when. Yeah. That's how we find significance. For those of you who work in ministry, whether you teach in the children's ministry or you're handing out programs or you're filling out name tags or you're passing communion or you're helping put on an event, whatever it is, I would want you, God would want you to do it in the context of producing lasting fruit. Because when we do that, we experience fullness of life. So here's the promise applied. Significance comes really through doing the work of Christ. And the one thought question I would give you is what am I doing in my life today that could be put underneath the title of the work of Christ? I'm not just talking about managing His creation. That's a whole different deal. We already talked about that. But the actual work of Christ and the work of Christ on this earth is the redeeming and the transforming of the people of this world. So what am I doing to help Christ redeem people and to get their lives transformed? Promise number three. You are exhibit A in the courtroom of heaven. Well, that sounds serious, doesn't it? You are exhibit A in the courtroom of heaven. 
Here's how Paul writes. Paul says, here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. Every pastor who has ever spoken knows that feeling right there. In fact, Kevin talked to us a little bit about that today. Trying to grasp the greatness of God. The the inexhaustible riches and the generosity of Christ is what Paul was talking about. Paul said, my task is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all of this in the first place, has been doing in secret behind the scenes all along. And he delineates. Through Christians like yourselves gathered in churches... This extraordinary plan of God is being known, and it's being talked about where? Even among the angels. Wow. All this is proceeding along lines, planned all along by God, and then executed in Christ Jesus. You might not be aware of it, but Satan still throws accusations at God. And, And what you might not know is one of the accusations that he makes is you know that plan you have for redeeming people? That's pretty stupid. And it's never going to work. Look how many people never go to church. They're never going to accept you. Look how many people thumb their nose at you. It was a complete waste of time for Jesus to, to leave heaven and come to earth and to give His life because nobody really cares anyway and nobody's going to allow their lives to be changed anyway. I mean, it was a complete waste of time. And it's that accusation that Satan throws at God. And what does God do to defend Himself? You know what He does? He points to churches like New Life and the other churches in our town. To one transformed life after another and after another and after another. And he says, oh yeah? What about this person? What about that person? What about this person who's giving their life to Christ? What about this person who used to be this and yet today is this through the power of Christ? What about this person who used to do this but today they no longer do it because of the power of Christ? What about this person who never had the courage or the faith to do this and yet today they do it and they do it out of love and in faith in Jesus? Look at the transformation in their life. Look at the way they parent their kids today compared to the way they parented their kids. Or the way they were parented. Look at their speech today. Look how different it is from what it used to be. And that conversation goes on and on. We are the defense of Christ coming to earth. That's a big job, don't you think? Yeah. You know, I, I was flooded with two thoughts when I was writing this. I was flooded with, God, wow. And then I was flooded with, You know those times when I mess up? I'm quite sure Satan sort of cites that too. What do you think? I don't think he misses out on that opportunity. And my thing was to apologize to God for the times when he wanted to be able to point to me. But he couldn't. Because at that moment of time, I wasn't a very good Exhibit A. Yeah. I might have been Exhibit Z. You know, way down there. Yeah. So God calls us to that. Here's the promise applied. Significance comes through experiencing, not just studying about, but through experiencing God-empowered life change.
as we close, I want to give you one principle, and I want you to get locked into this. Because as a pastor, I have people all the time saying to me, Pastor, I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm a good, decent person. And because I'm a good and decent person, and I'm way better than most of the people down the street, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. I think God's going to be okay with me. All that kind of stuff. Well, I want you to see this principle. I want you to hear it clearly. Okay? And that is, fullness of life doesn't come from just experiencing one out of these three. But how many? All three. You see, if you're just a good, decent person, and you're kind, and you're thoughtful, and you recycle, and you 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 do all that stuff, okay? Well, great. You got number one down. Okay? Well, what about number two and number three? You see, when God created you, He created you with all three purposes in mind. And if you only live out purpose number one, you're missing two-thirds of what life could and should be. And what God invites you to today is all three. And when you go to a three-course meal, if you only get one course, how do you feel? Like you got ripped, right? Because you went there expecting a three-course meal and all you got was a salad. Okay? God says, if you want fullness of life, start by living as a manager of my creation, but then understand that it's far more than just being a manager of my creation. I have created you to do the work of Christ, to bear fruit for the vine, and to do the work of Christ on this earth. And when you manage my creation, and you do the work of Christ, and you do them well, then you become exhibit A in the courtroom of heaven, and you bring fullness of life to God, because then you know that what He's done in this world and in your life has not been wasted. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to come into that relationship with Christ because purpose number two and purpose number three begin with that decision. And I'm going to pray and give you some time to to do that business with God, give you some space to do that business with God. There's a place on on your communication card that says, I want to come into a relationship with God. Um... As I pray, if, if you're ready to make that decision, say, okay, I, I'm, I'm working on number one, but I really want number two, number three in my life because I want to have all that significance. Then you, you check that on your card. We'll get with you this week. We'll lead you in that decision. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us three great purposes in life. And Lord, would you enable us right now to tie into that? And those of us who have never stepped into purpose number two and purpose number three, would you help us step into those purposes this morning so that we could experience fullness of life for ourselves and so that we could bless you by living out the life you've created us to live. And Lord, where we've fallen short and and where we haven't been a very good exhibit, we ask for your forgiveness. And Lord, would you speak into our lives things that would change us in those areas so that our lives might be transformed by your great life-changing power. Lord, would you enable us to live lives of tremendous purpose? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.